Now, I also want to, to have different ones come up here, and uh, there's a wireless microphone over here if you would like to, to stand. Um, I'm going to ask Kathy to come up. Kathy, again, heads up the women's ministry. I thought you were going to take my talk for a minute there when he was telling what the women's ministry does, but Sorry. I can just give you my paper no, if you that's want to good. read it. <laughs> so, so I'm here just to talk a little bit about women's ministry. Um, we could not do it, just the staff. So I'm so grateful for the 17 women who are on the women's ministry team and for all the things that they do. And uh, I'm really excited about serving with the women this year. So what do we do? We, we actually do a lot of different things. First, I think, and maybe most important, is our Bible study program. And we have morning and evening studies in the fall and the winter or spring. And right now we have about 50 women signed up for the two studies. So that is just wonderful that they're really wanting to learn and grow in Christ. And we do some fun and fellowship times called Ladies' Night Out. We have conferences and retreats. We go to Women of Faith many times. And uh, this year we're already working hard on preparing for our retreat. It's going to be April 11th and 12th at Richardson Springs. So, uh, ladies, I hope you'll mark your calendar for that. We have great, a great speaker lined up. We have a lot of fun. We have a fun theme. And I'm really hoping that we just have a great turnout. So watch for it. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have registration starting for that. In addition, we uh, sort of under missions and sort of under women's ministry is the, is the uh, Women's Missionary Fellowship. And this is a group of ladies who get together every month, and they sew or knit or make just make nice gifts to give to our missionaries or to people who are in nurse, nursing homes. They make baby blankets and baby clothes and give them to Life Like Pregnancy Center. So they do a lot of good reaching out into the community. And then our newest uh, group is called Bloom, and this is mom's group. So if you are a young mom and have kids still in the home with you, this is a great time to get together just to share the fun and maybe the frustrations of raising kids, but just to make friends. And they meet once a month on Saturday mornings, the third Saturday of the month. And looking back at last year, we had two big events. The first, we hosted the Lisa Harper event. And the men, I'm just so grateful for our men because they came out and really helped with that. But there were about 1,400 women who were here for those two days. So I am grateful to the Lord for this facility that we can host a big event like that. And it's such a testimony to our city to be able to do that. And we also had a Christmas simulcast that happened to be the night of the big snow. So we had a kind of a lower turnout, but we still had a great time. And we took an offering and gave $500 to the Good News Rescue Mission. So that was a really fun event. For 2014, I have been asking the Lord to just help us focus on growing both spiritually and relationally in women's ministry. And we're asking God to give us ways that we can impact the community and reach out to others and minister to them. So that's our goal for the year is to be more reaching out rather than just filling in. And the verse that I've chosen for us this year is 1 Corinthians 1558. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. 
Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Thank you. Thank you so much. We had a, a, a tremendous uh, blessing this year. Matt Beck came on staff. Come on up, Matt. Uh, Matt came. We didn't know that the Lord was going to bring him along this year, and uh, yet the Lord knew that. He is the pastor of worship, family, and children's ministry. We've tried to add a couple more things to that if we could, but uh, we appreciate Matt and Marie so much. The Lord bless you as you uh, just give us your insight about the vision. Thank you. I am uh, very excited to be on staff and thankful for what the Lord is working uh, on in this church and uh, everything that is going on. Um, I have been tasked uh, this morning with presenting to you our vision for the ministries of which I am in charge of. You know, I'm, I'm very proud to be a part of, of uh, Crosspoint here. And uh, you guys are a family of, of committed followers of Christ who love God and love others. And it shows. We don't pretend to have all the answers, but you, you are certain the answer to life's deepest questions is found in Jesus. In a world with hurting people, it is our goal to be a point of faith, a point of hope, and a point of love. As I present to you this morning, I'm going to put on a different hat that illustrates who I am and what I hope to accomplish in this ministry. And so my first responsibility that I'm going to talk to you about this morning is that of a worship artist. <laughs> I'm a worship artist. I love to make music. And our goal this year is to develop an atmosphere of worship that leads us to the throne room of grace each Sunday. We want to create an environment that draws people in and prepares their heart for the message. We want to open doors for people to serve and to be a part of this service. And we plan to provide training and resources for those interested in being a part of the worship team and to work on our ability to play and sing together. As an artist, I want to be able to help create and make music that is glorifying to God. My next responsibility is that of a home builder. A home builder in our family ministries. The Family Ministries has a great team of people already in place, and they've done an excellent job of organizing and getting things together. But I'd want to come along and be able to help them by, by being a part of that team. My goal is to step in to be an encouragement to them, to be a resource for which they can draw upon to be able to help. I want to see our team develop servant leaders by finding ways that we can serve our community Developing an inviting atmosphere for our Sunday school class so that visitors will feel welcome and accepted. And then link parents and children by providing avenues which they can discuss spiritual things from, with, together in their home. This year we'll be teaching a marriage class and another Financial Peace University class in the fall. And it's going to be a part of a full-scale outreach in which we hope to invite the community to participate. My final responsibility... is that of children's ministries. Our children's ministries was led by Natalie in the past, and she has done a great job of setting us up for success. I want to thank her for all that she has done to this point. Her work has definitely not gone unnoticed. I also, we have an army of people who serve in this ministry, and I want to personally say thank you to each of you who have, uh, who have us a part in teaching, in helping, or getting things organized for our Crosspoint Kids Ministries. It is a huge success. 
Our goal this year is to be an encouragement to those teachers and to provide appropriate training that will help them enhance their classroom experience. We want to develop an atmosphere that is welcoming to parents and fun for the kids. You're going to see a few changes here and there over the next year as we work to enhance our sign-in and sign-out procedures because safety is one of our utmost concerns. Our big focus this year will be with our Worship Hour Kids Ministries and helping our kids and the teachers to have a positive experience. Starting in February, our first through fifth grade class will move from the backyard room to the second story of the administration center. What we're looking to do is to enhance the learning experience by adding multimedia to the class. And the weekly Bible story will be told both through a professional storyteller and a dynamic dramatization. Also under this ministry is our Awana program. I want to say thank you so much to uh, Jennifer Boone and for her leadership in our Awana program. We're working to make Awana a positive experience this year for all those involved, the parents, the teachers, and the kids, and the leaders. Our desire this year is to see a high percentage of our kids finish their books. We also want to work on finding ways to connect our Awana families to the Crosspoint Community Church. Upward Basketball is also another part of this ministry. I want to say thank you to Lee Welch and his team of people who have done a great job organizing and leading the Upward Basketball program. Our goal this year is to continue to reach out into the community. We see Upward as a great community for those opportunity for those who don't regularly attend church to get their foot in the door and to hear the gospel presented. We have over 4,000 flyers that are being distributed to the schools currently as we speak. God has blessed this church with an amazing facility, and we want to see it used for his glory. We need your prayer and as prayer partners and volunteers in order for this outreach to be a success. If you'd like to pray specifically for this outreach this year, please talk to me or Lee, and be sure to sign up at the back table if you need to. Once again, I want to say I'm excited to be on this staff and a part of this growing ministry. God has blessed uh, you guys with a tremendous uh, group of people that, that serve you and work every day in and out. And uh, I want to thank you for letting me be able to be a part of this as well. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I'm so glad I don't have to follow the hats. Matt is such a blessing to us in, in, in so many different ways, and we just were thrilled that he's here. Gary, come on up. Uh, Gary is the, the pastor of the... Uh, the a pastor here for facilities and men's ministry, and he has so many other areas that I, I'm glad you're not bringing hats. I don't think there are enough hats out there. Uh, tell us what the Lord's laid on your heart. It's hard for him to decide what it is I do here. Yeah. And, and Matt, I, I want to say that it is a privilege having you here on staff with us, and I want to be just like you if I grow up. But there's not much chance of that. Uh, as George said, I'm the pastor of administration here. I have responsibility for the facilities and the men's ministry. And up in the office, I uh, have responsibility for some of the HR functions, insurances, and that sort of thing. But uh, primarily, I handle the facilities. And, we, you know, we don't have a great big staff uh, as facilities management here. We have uh, two maintenance personnel, uh, Rob and Sang, are both our maintenance personnel. And, and I think they do a great job of keeping this facility clean. But 
One of the things is, we have a beautiful facility, as Matt had pointed out, that God has really blessed us with that. We have over 92,000 square feet of covered space here at Cross Point and several acres. The first buildings were constructed on this site in 1963, and that was the chapel that the men are using right now. And then the building that you're sitting in was constructed in 1969. That's 45 years ago. Uh, that was the year that Verna and I were married. Uh, you guys were working on this building here. The last building was constructed in 1995, and that's our youth center. One of the things, just like your homes, our church, there are constant uh, changes that need to be made. There's a lot of remodeling. There's a lot of repairs that have to be done. And when we have guests in our homes, one of the things that, uh, you know, sometimes we say, well, uh, don't open that door or don't go into that room. And it's kind of the same way in our churches, but we don't want to have to say that in our church, in our facilities here. We want to present the best buildings, the best place that people can come to worship, a place that we can be proud of and uh, invite people in openly and make a great impression. We don't want to have to hide things. Some of the things that we do here because they must be done, just as Pastor George mentioned, the three-story building, we recently had to uh, put a new roof on it. We were talking about doing a roof. We knew we had some leaks, and then suddenly uh, we got a call one night that uh, when they started working on it that uh, we had leaks everywhere. So it was kind of a panic situation to get it done. Some of the things that we do are uh, remodeling and updating. So over the past several years, we've carpeted, we've tiled, we've painted, we've cut down, we've pruned, we've dug up, we've submitted or cemented things. But quite frankly, that will never be done. Just like at your homes. Once you get something done, there's something else that needs to be done. And our church is the same way. Sometimes we're restricted by money, as George mentioned, but by the graciousness of our Lord and uh, the... the uh, the people here at the church that we always seem to have money to do the things that are necessary to do and we really praise the Lord for that but some of the things that need to be done are not restricted by money it's just by time and energy so many of you have made yourselves available and stepped up to volunteer for specific projects and I want to say thank you many of you are here every time we have a work day and you get involved in the church that way and I really appreciate that as well and we have several work days planned for this year and I look forward to the time that we can come and fellowship and see the successes that we do during those work days but you know Right now, there's a couple of things that I could use. As you notice, we, there's a water situation, of course, and our facilities, uh, the plants, the landscaping is starting to suffer because of that. But I really need somebody to step up here in the next month or so that says, you know, Gary, I would really like to come and do some pruning, do some yard work and that sort of thing. I'm not asking for somebody to come and mow the lawns. We can take care of that. But somebody that would really have a desire to plant some plants and do some things here to really beautify the outdoors outside of our facilities for this next spring. Uh, when you turn to go this morning, you might take a look up to the right side of the sanctuary. We're uh, developing and preparing a cry room, a place that uh, some of our new mothers can go uh, to take their children. And we've done the demo, but I need somebody to say, Gary, I'd be willing to come over and help with the construction and paint to get that done. That would just be a great uh, benefit to our church.
Now, also, one of the things uh, that I want to mention, I want to say this in a nice way, is all of these things to be, need to be done. We need volunteers and people to help to do them. So I'm saying, don't ask, why hasn't this been done? When is this going to be done? Say, Gary, how can I help you do it? And what can I do to help that get done? It might be you say, well, I can't hammer, but I've got $50,000 in my pocket that I'd like to give you. I'll talk to you right after the service. That'd be great as well. Now, the other, one of the other things that I do, and Matt, I don't have a hat to put on, but uh, I'm also the ministry team coordinator, and uh, we have eight members on our ministry team. We have a couple of new guys this year, three new guys as a matter of fact, and ministry, men's ministry is, is alive and well here, and I'm really excited about some of the things that we're doing. As I mentioned in the announcements this morning, one of the real staples of our ministry team is uh, once a month we have the men's breakfast. We average over 40 guys coming to the breakfast each month. It's a time to bring a friend, to get together, and uh, just to be able to fellowship together and build strength in community and uh, non-threatening dimes that the guys can come to church. You know, we also plan one large event each year, and this year it was our Duck Commander Night. You may have seen the pictures up there. I don't know who the guy was in the dark beard and the sunglasses, but uh, we just had a great time doing some, some, some neat things that we wouldn't normally do, but it's a chance to come out and do it with the guys. Uh, we've just started our new men's Bible study. We have 19 guys involved, meets on Monday night. Our second meeting will be tomorrow night. And we're excited about what the Lord is doing there, the guys being able to build relationships and study the Bible and learn what the Lord has for us as men in this community. And we've also done a few projects as the men, and we've got another project that we're going to be sharing with the guys uh, this uh, next uh, men's breakfast. And I really f look forward to those projects and working with the guys and sharing here at Crosspoint. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Gary. Pastor Ton is the uh, senior pastor at uh, the Mian uh, Baptist Church here. We just, again, I appreciate you so much, Pastor Ton. Come share what the Lord's laid on your heart. Thank you. It is a special day in that once a year, the Mian Church is able to gather together with you on this vision day. I am grateful for this opportunity to share with you the mission and vision of uh, Cross Point Mian Baptist Church. But first of all, I want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ for the privilege of serving him at the Mian Church for the last 13 years. Actually, next week will be all 13 years here. Amen. And second, on behalf of Cross Point Mian Baptist Church, I want to thank Cross Point Community Church for having the Mian here and also for your prayer and your support talk about the prayer. Two years ago, several years ago, we have a lady in our church, uh, um, she's standing back there. She had a major stroke. And you know, I mean, unless God do some kind of miracle work, it's tough for her to survive. But you know, I you know, asked the church to pray. And today she's standing here. She want to personally thank the church for praying for her. Amen. So she's here Amen. because God's work. Amen. Uh, the mission and vision of Cross Point Mian Baptist Church is three things. First, to know God, to love God, and to follow God. To know God, to love God, and to follow God. How do we accomplish our mission? Uh, our method to accomplish our mission of vision is following the three C's, which is God command all of us to do. And the first C is this. It is the great commandment, which is to love God. When someone asks Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And then it, it is our desire to love God 
For it is God alone is worthy of our worship. It is God alone worthy of our love and adoration. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14, 15. When you know God as your Lord and Savior, then you will love him. When you love him, you will keep his commandment. That's the first C. Second C is the Great Commission, which is to follow God. There's five passages in the New Testament talk about the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. We are to make disciples of our nation, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything. Mark 16, 15. Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Luke 24, 44 to 49. That repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations. John 20, 21. As the Father, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Acts 1, 8. This is like telling us to be a witness geographically, simultaneously, from Jerusalem throughout the world. That's the second C. The first C is the great commandment. The second C is the great commission, which is to follow God. The first C is to love God. And the third C is the great comfort. But regarding the great commission, Hudson Taylor said this, the great commission is not an option to be considered, but it is command to obey. And Oswald J. Smith, one of my favorite writers, he said this, any church that is not seriously involved in helping fulfill the great commission has forfeit its biblical right to exist. And so it's really serious. The third C, then how do you witness around the world? That's the great C. The third C is coming in. The great comfort. Because we know God. God promised this. Jesus said, I will build my church. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus promised to build the church. It is Christ who built the man ministry, man church. He never promised to build my ministry, but, you know, his church. So Jesus said, no man could come to the Father except by, by him, or he drawing them. It is the Lord that add to the church, Acts 2, 20, 44. Paul said that God who brings the increase, or God who gives the increase. We are privileged. We use different methods. We use different materials. In, in the Mian church, we use outreach, whether Christmas outreach or Easter outreach. We use audio. We use video. We use all kinds of material, writing, all kinds, all kinds of things. But we recognize this. No matter what method we use to reach out to the lost, we recognize that it is not by might nor by power, uh, uh, but it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul said that we are God's fellow worker. We plant, we water, it is God who gives increase. Amen. That we're always mindful of that. So to sum, to sum it up, the mission of Cross Point, me and Baptist Church is this, to know God, which is the great comfort. Paul said that to know him, Christ, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. To know God is the great comfort. To love him is the great commandment. And to follow him is the great commission. And that's our mission and vision. And the last thought I want to share with you is from Dave Davidson. He said this. He said that in our lifetime, wouldn't it be sad if we spend more time washing dishes or mowing our yard or watching TV than praying for world mission or praying for the lost? We spend more time on other things than what's important in our life. So pray for the men church. Pray that we'll always focus you know, on the great commandment, the great commission, 
and, and, and great comfort to know God, to love God, and to follow God. And that's our mission for this coming year. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. That's, that's right. Give the Lord a hand. <laughs> round of applause. Folks, this is what we're talking about. If you have your Bible, you can turn to uh, Joshua chapter 1. We won't stay a long time. I want to give you just a very short challenge. You need to understand something. The video that from the Mian outreach is literally going around the world. It's in China. It is in Vietnam. It is in places that we couldn't get otherwise. And uh, it's exciting. On our website, we can track who downloads sermons. And we know that they're downloading sermons of the Mian church uh, specifically downloading sermons around the world, but especially in China and in Vietnam and in places that we could never go. And God is using that in, in a mighty way. I, I was thinking about what we need to remember and what we need to think about as, as a church. Uh, you can see every year we change up a little bit on the side and we put different slogans, different things to remind us. And, and, and you can see here it says, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. That's our, that's our theme for the year. That's our, uh, that's our thought for the year. Expect great things from God. Will God do great things? Will God do great things? Could God do great things? Absolutely. But the other part of that is attempt great things for God. That's when it, when it gets into the heart of people to try to attempt the things that God has given us to do, when he hands us an opportunity, when he hands us a privilege, what a privilege, what an opportunity it was for this church when Pastor Tan and the Mian Church approached this church and said, we need a place to worship, and the Lord opened the doors. What, a, what an opportunity, what a privilege it is. The, the Korean church that meets here, they, they rent space. But when we had the opportunity of opening the doors to see what God is doing through the different nationalities here. And, and I got to thinking about some things that we could do maybe that, that we're not doing. Um, and, and I had this thought. Ulysses S. Grant is known for two things. USS, uh, U.S. Grant, you remember what he's known for? Number one, he was the general who won the Civil War for Abe Lincoln. He was, a, he, he was not a brilliant general, but he was a methodical general, and, and he was a general that got the job done. And then he was the 18th president of the, of the U.S. For two years before U.S. Grant, Ulysses S. Grant became the general that took over the Northern Army, the Northern Army was routinely just getting shellacked. They were just getting beaten by the Southern Army. They, they had better, the, the Northern Army had more armament, they had more materials, they had more men, they were better stocked, they were better uh, organized, they were better trained. They had all of the things going for them and they were routinely being beaten by them. And they focused on two things. They focused on avoiding casualties embarrassing losses. They, they focused on just not getting beaten, number one. And number two, they focused, because they were focused on that, they missed strategic opportunities. When God gave them an opportunity and opened the door for them, they didn't walk through it. When Grant came in, he made difficult decisions. Some of them were wrong. Some of them were horrible decisions. But he made difficult decisions, and he clearly communicated those decisions to the people, to, to the army. It reminds me of Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1, uh, we, we can see that, that they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And you need to understand, God has brought them out of Egypt. They've wandered for 40 years. And Joshua has been there. Moses has done all of the work. Moses has been the one who's been in, in charge. He's been the leader. And all of a sudden, God takes Moses out. He says, you're not going to go into the promised land. And he says, Joshua, you're the guy. Now, what training did Joshua have? Proper manna etiquette. 
you know, how to treat snake bite when they got snake bitten. He says, put a bronze serpent up in the wilderness or, or, or maybe uh, how to deal with griping. You know, what do you do when you have a bunch of gripey people? He had no training. And the Lord put Joshua in there. And in Joshua 1.9, if you look at that, it says, uh, I can't find, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do you know why the Lord said that to Joshua? Because he was terrified. Why do you say to someone, don't be terrified? If your kid wakes up in the, in the, in the night, your child wakes up in the night and, they're, and they're, they're terrified, you come in and you say, don't be afraid. And Joshua knew that he was not up to the challenge and he was standing there and the, the Lord said that, that uh, there was something going on. Look at verse 10 then. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp, and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. What's remarkable about this? Number one, it was at flood stage. If you read other places, we know that they crossed at the flood stage. They crossed at the time when the river was flowing, the highest and the strongest that ever flowed. And it was the wrong time of the year, the wrong place, the wrong time. Everything was wrong about it. Did you also notice he doesn't tell them how? He doesn't tell them any of the specifics. He just says, have everybody get ready for three days from now. God has revealed it to me. We're going to go in and take the land. He doesn't tell them how the, the battles are going to go. He doesn't tell them about Jericho or Ai. He doesn't talk them, tell them about all the different things that are going to happen. He just says, be ready to go. Church, it's time to get on the offensive. We've been, we've been sitting around the wilderness long enough. It's time to get ready to go. It's time to cross the, the river. It's time to go in and take the land that God has called us to take. It's time for us to stop hanging back and waiting for somebody else. I'm telling you, I'm not Joshua, but I'm telling you, it's time for us to get ready to go. It's time to go on the offensive. We don't have very many specifics, but I want to just three things very briefly. Number one, what does victory mean for us? You heard Tan, Pastor Tan already talked about the three C's, and, and, and I think he's exactly right. What's God's battle plan? Evangelism, seeking the lost. Luke 19.10, when, when Jesus is questioned, why are you here? He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Our, our passion has got to get back again for winning the lost, for seeking the lost, for giving the message to those that God has, has given us to, to give it to. We don't win them. We don't save them. But we do tell them where to find them, to give them God's remedy for their disease, sin. We need to tell them about the cross. We need to have a passion for the lost. Number two is a discipleship, to grow the babies. When someone comes into new birth, they're born again. We need to grow those babies up again. Matthew 28, 19, as Pastor Tom has already said, go and make disciples of all nations. Good, solid teaching, a focus on God's Word. We're getting that in the, in the Mian church. We're getting that here. We're getting that in the Bible studies. We're getting that in Sunday schools. Good, solid teaching. But it's, it's more than that because it, it becomes something that you do. When you read the Bible, when you grow, when you begin to, to apply these things to your life, discipleship so that you can take it in. You know, it's interesting. Every week, Kathy and I go and get groceries. And we put those groceries, the, the perishable things, many things, we put them in the refrigerator. And then we just go out and eat all week and we don't eat anything that's there. No, that's not what we do. 
The food doesn't do us any good until we get it from the refrigerator and prepare it and take it in for ourselves. And you know what? If the only thing that you're getting of God's Word is what you get on Sunday, it's not enough. I eat a lot more regularly than once a week. And you should have that kind of spiritual input into your life every day. Number three, identification. This is a little bit different. It is bringing comfort, but it's identification. It's baptizing. It's assimilation. Because Matthew 28, 19 says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's going public. It's taking ownership. It's, it's becoming active in God's work. It's, it's, it's saying, okay, I, I, maybe I was trying to be a secret Christian, but now I'm, I'm going to go all out. I'm going to be out there where people know. I'm going to come into the membership of the church. I'm going to take starting point class. I'm going to be a part of, of what's happening here. What does victory mean for us? It means that we seek the lost, that we grow the babies, that we make sure that people are getting assimilated and involved in the church. What do we face? What did they face? They faced a a huge river at flood stage. They faced huge thick walls of Jericho and the cities that, that they were coming up against. And if you remember, 40 years earlier when the spies went out, it said there were giants in the land. So they had all these things they could not do. What do we face? I think we face two things. One is those unable to hear. Relativism today has told our society that there's no truth. There are no absolutes. There's a little consciousness of sin. Have you noticed how, I mean, today people are just not ashamed of sin because they don't think they have sin. There is no truth. Relativism, they they don't hear. They're unable to hear. Pluralism says that everyone is entitled to his or own his or her own truth conclusions. In other words, my religion's just as good as your religion. Every religion's the same. All roads lead to the top of the mountain. I got news for you. I ride my bike all the time. The other day I got on a street and it led nowhere. It was a dead end. All roads don't lead the same place. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is one way to heaven. There is one way to eternity with God, and that's Jesus Christ. They're unable to hear because they don't believe that. The third thing is revisionism. What we're told today is history is unreliable, that you can't depend on it. The historians were biased. There was a huge article that broke yesterday that Noah's Ark was round. There's one slight problem with it. The Bible doesn't say it was round. It says it was, it was oblong. It gives us the dimensions. Noah's Ark was not round. And when I read the article, what the guy who discovered this said, well, I found this Babylonian text that obviously the, the Jewish people stole it from the Babylonians and they, they, you know, and they just got it wrong. And he says, I don't believe there was an ark anyway, but if there was an ark, it was round. The truth We have the historical thing here that God gave to to the people who put it in the Bible, and it's the truth. Revisionism, deconstructionism, we redesign logic and reason to enable our lifestyle. People unable to hear, and then there are those unwilling to hear. To To be biblically correct today is almost the polar opposite of politically correct. When we are biblically correct today, we're in trouble with our society, our passion is a threat to the progressive, secular way of life. And let's face it, outside of the church, everyone is living that lifestyle. They're unwilling to hear. We are marginalized as intellectually bigoted. We are intolerant or we're just inept. We're just stupid. 
I don't know if you noticed this last week, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo made the statement, pro-lifers have no place in New York State. Now, when all of the political flack came down, he backed down on it. But the truth is, that's the way they feel, and that's the way he feels, and that's the way a lot of people feel today, that Christians have no place in today's society. So we're facing this battle with those who are unable to hear, those who are unwilling to hear. Joseph Stoll, in his book called Shepherding the Church, says, how, does one, how then does one communicate the gospel into mindsets that no longer value reason, logic, or history, given the fact that the gospel is a reasoned progression of logical thought from sin to a Savior? The gospel is a logical, historical proclamation rooted in the real history of the real life of a real man who died on a real cross and left a real grave empty after three days. How do we do that? What should we do? Well, we can do what others have tried. In the past, others have tried all kinds of things. Uh, politically, people begin to picket. They, you know, we didn't like what these, this person is teaching and what they're doing. And, and you know what? There may be some times that that's the proper way to do it. That's what they've tried in the past. Has it been successful? I think marginally. Uh, there are others who have become... Christians in a cocoon, they, they just draw back. They go to a church, they raise their children in a Christian school, nothing wrong with Christian school, I think it's wonderful, but they cocoon themselves so that they have no impact on the society. There are those who say, well, what we believe is in political activism, and we're going to force the change in our culture by electing the right guy that will make them be Christians. Rome tried that centuries ago, and it didn't work. Unfortunately, the fourth way that a lot of people have tried to handle this is they downplay the truth. They don't talk about sin anymore. They don't talk about repentance. They don't talk about the cross. They don't talk about Jesus dying. They just water everything down so that they, you, you come in and you feel good. I, I got news for you. If you go away feeling good sometimes, I probably have not done my job. Pastor Ton has probably not done his job because what the Lord wants us to do is to spur us on to love and good deeds, to live the Christian life. That's what Hebrews says, to spur us on. Have you ever noticed some, what, what happens when someone's spurred? Does that feel good? Not particularly. So what works? I want you to turn, if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're almost done, I promise. 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter lived through this. He knew what was happening. And I think it's true also in, in Joshua. And we'll go back and, and think about that for just a second. What works? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people. You are chosen. Folks, here today, you are chosen. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. First Peter chapter 2, verse 10. Look at what it says. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We've, we've, we've received these things. What are we supposed to do? Verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world, that's what I've just said that we are, to abstain from sinful desires which war against the soul. Now look at verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. 
When Joshua got the people and they got up and they went across the river and they got into the land, the first city that they came to was Jericho. And it was huge walls. They could have chariot races around the edges of the walls. It was a huge city. It was impenetrable. They, they were not going to beat this city. And the Lord sends some people in there and he tells them to march around the city. But I think it's interesting because one of the people that they run into is Rahab. She's a prostitute. She's a harlot. She's, she's the last person that you would imagine. But she says something to them. In Joshua chapter 2, verse 11, she talks about why she was willing to help them. She says, when we heard of it, what's it? All God had done, how God had, had opened the Red Sea, how God had provided manna, how God gave them water out of the rock, how they defeated their enemies when they came across the wilderness. When we heard of all that God has been doing, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of it. What are we supposed to do? We are supposed to live in the light of God's glory, in, the, in the, the auspices of God's power. We are to see God move in our hearts and in the lives of those people who come here, that we see God move in such a way that we create compelling stories the world cannot ignore. We create stories that they cannot write off. We melt resistance to usher in the, re, the miracle of redemption. It takes time, and it takes everyone involved. Did you notice when they went across the river, everybody had to go across the river? When they marched around the city, everyone had to march around the city. It takes everyone involved. It takes clear, compassionate communication. We need to talk about sin. We need to tell them that there's a heaven and a hell. We need to make sure that, that the only solution is trusting Jesus Christ, what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Will this work? It's worked in the past. It has worked in the past. This last week I got an, an email totally out of the blue. In uh, 1970, I invited a girl by the name of Francie Chapman to go to a youth service that we were having at our church on a Wednesday night. We had a special speaker in. I invited Francie Chapman. She played the cello. I played the cello. We were in orchestra together. She went. She said she would never go back after one night. She said that was enough for her. You know, I graduated from high school, have not heard from her. This is an email. Hey, George, how are you? I've wanted for years to tell you that I asked Jesus into my life the night you took me to your father's church for Wednesday service. I told no one and did nothing to further relationship with Christ. Quite the opposite, in fact, until I retired in 2000. She retired as a major in the police force at Kansas City. Then the Lord practically sent a SWAT team in to capture my heart, change my mind, and grow my faith. How wonderful to know you're a pastor. I remember the flack you took in high school for your beliefs, yet you stood firm. I admire you for that. Just wanted to say thank you for your willingness to share God's truth with me. The seed you and your father planted so long ago finally germinated. Does it work? Last week, we listened to Christy Byers and listened to the, the others who came to be baptized. And Christy talked about the new compass in her life. She didn't have a compass before, and now Jesus Christ is the compass in her life. And it changed her life. These are compelling stories. There's no way anyone other than God could do that kind of stuff. My best thinking will never build God's kingdom. I can't dream any dream worthy of God. And Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. 
This is what I wrote last year, and I want to read it, and then I'll close. But God's dream, his vision for what he wants us to be and to do, will take root in our hearts and live through us when we trust him. God's vision for this church is to fill all the buildings he gave us. One day we will walk through class after class of children, students, and adults, married and single, who are growing in faith and love. We will have a prayer walk and a prayer chapel where hundreds of believers meet with God. This campus will be a center where God impacts our community with clothes and food and services that tangibly demonstrate how much God cares about people. I believe that God is going to make us a center for the disenfranchised, for those who are overlooked. There will be parenting classes, financial classes. We've already started this this last year, and as, as Matt has already indicated, we're going to really have a major thrust on that in the fall. We're going to have help for single moms and widows, a resource center where books, videos, and other materials are available. We already have the great start of that in our books and more, the, the, the place that we have there, our library. A center for those drawing to an end of this life where they can minister and receive love and help. Far beyond what we're doing with our sunshiners, I believe God is going to use us as a place to really help people that are going home and walk them home. The Family Center and the ball fields will be filled with the sound of laughter as children and adults use sports as an avenue. Sports is an avenue to lead other people to Jesus Christ. I believe some sitting here today will serve around the world as missionaries, some short-term, others long-term. Crosspoint will impact our community and the world. Listen, folks, God's dream for this church is more than I can imagine, more than you can imagine. God has a vision too big for me to comprehend and too impossible for me to complete, and he, but it's certainly not too big for God to achieve. And what he calls on us to do is exactly what he called on Joshua and them to do, which is to stand up and move, to expect great things from God and, to, and, and attempt great things for God. To expect great things from God and to attempt great things for God. What has he given in your hand? You say, well, I'm not talented. I can't teach. I can't do this. I don't have 50000 Do you have $50? Do you have $5? Do you, what can you give? What can you do? It all comes down to this. How will you be a part of what God does to achieve his vision for this church? Are you ready to take the land? Are you ready to go across the river? Are you ready to do battle? Are you ready to be the church that God has called us to be? Let's pray. What an amazing God you are, Father. We've listened to reports and we've had a business meeting and we've talked about a lot of details, but Father, the big thing for us is to find out what you're doing and what you want to do in and us, in us and through us. Oh, Father, build your church. Start today in our hearts, helping us to realize what you've called us to do, what you want us to be, where you lead us to go. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a closing song. I want you to stand. It says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 73. We want you to stand. We want you to sing. Let's sing it together.